Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Watchdogs Bark. My name is Drew. I am your host, and I consider myself a watchdog. All right, I'm going to have to put off the Biden family business podcast for one more time. Because all kinds of new information keeps coming out, and I want to give you a complete and accurate accounting of everything the Biden family is involved in. And this turned out to be a good week to do that because there's some major stories that have happened this week, and I want to comment on these things. Starting with the Paul Pelosi police body cam and 911 tape have been released, and then the police cam footage of the arrest and uh, horrific beating of Tyree Nichols was released. And then I want to talk a little bit about the protests and how Antifa keeps showing up at all these protests and my thoughts on who Antifa is and why they are doing what they are. Again, these are all my opinions. If you happen to agree or disagree with them, you're welcome to write me. Drew at the Watchdogs Bark. All right. First of all, the Paul Pelosi police body cam and 911 tape. After listening to the 911 tape, I'm convinced that Paul Pelosi was trying to keep a madman calm. You could hear the assailant. Uh, One thing you're never going to hear in my podcasts is the name of the perpetrators. Uh, I'll always give you the names of the victims, but I don't feel it's necessary nor advantageous to broadcast the name of the perpetrators. I know that's one of the biggest things that I have a problem with, with the news organizations, is they broadcast these murderers and rapists and all these different things, their names all over the news and all over the airwaves and almost glorifying their names by doing that. And I think that many of the people that commit these crimes get off on that and actually want that to happen. So I actually think that the news organizations ought to stop putting the names of the assailants in the news. I think that would help a lot I think a lot of the times people would think, oh, well, I'm not going to get my name in the news and have it broadcasted 24-7, so maybe I shouldn't do this because I'm not going to get the recognition that I really want. So, something to think about. So, in the case of the Paul Pelosi attack, you can hear the assailant in the background basically listening to everything he was doing and trying to control the situation. The 911 caller didn't seem really aware of who she was talking to. Even when he said, my wife, Nancy, and what would she asked, what's your name? He says, Paul Pelosi. You know, all these things seem to completely escape this 911 operator. But (laughs) I do notice that after she sent the dispatch out, I'm guessing the people that listened to the dispatch knew exactly who he was because they got to his house in about two minutes flat. So that tells you that. Now, when the police arrived and Paul Pelosi opened the door and he and the assailant were both holding onto the hammer, I still have questions, but 
It looked like they were in some kind of struggle that Paul Pelosi was trying to get the hammer away. And then the police officers noticed the hammer and asked him to drop the hammer. And he said, nope. Then they shined the flashlight uh, on him and he went ballistic and hit Paul Pelosi in the head with the hammer. The rest of the video is sad because they're trying to arrest and detain the assailant and put him in handcuffs. And you can see Paul Pelosi's what looks like pretty lifeless body laying there uh, under them while they're trying to detain him. So, like I said, I still have questions, but I'm going to leave them until all the information comes out. I do wonder why it took so long to release this footage. I believe if they would have released this footage as quickly as they did for the Tyree Nichols attack, that there would be a lot less questions. And my big question is, why did the NBC reporter get so discredited? He's a veteran reporter, and when he reported these exact details that Paul was the one that answered the door and he took a couple steps back when the police were there, you know, he basically was suspended and demoted at the uh, NBC ranks. So I don't understand why, because it was all true at the point. At that point, maybe they didn't want all that information out at that time. And it was because of so much pressure to release that information that we now have it. Anyway, it just looks like a horrible situation. My heart and prayers go out to Paul and Nancy Pelosi. And I hope that Paul is able to make a full recovery and uh, that they can put this event behind them. All right. Now let's talk about the uh, police cam footage of Tyree Nichols. This literally made me sick to my stomach and caused my blood to boil at the same time. These cops did not follow protocol, and Tyree does not appear to resist until they started spraying him with pepper spray and tasing him. Honestly, at that point, I would kind of feel helpless and feel I needed to run too. So... I actually watched this video uh, three times. I watched it a couple times just to see all the details myself, all four videos that were released. And then I watched the entire four narrated by a cop explaining everything that was going on, what the cops were doing, what kind of you know hold that was and anything. Because I really wanted to understand what happened. Did these cops really break protocol that much? And I understand that this group of cops was the Scorpion Unit, I guess they call it, which stands for Street Crimes Operation to Restore Peace in Our Neighborhoods. And the guys in this unit are accustomed to facing gangbangers and hardcore criminals all day long. So I'm sure that had an effect on them. That still doesn't excuse what they did, even though they become calloused to a lot of things that would make a lot of others recoil, they still killed Tyree Nichols. And um, I believe that the same thing with George Floyd. 
You know, I don't believe racism had anything to do with it. I just believe that the cop that kneeled on George Floyd's back was a bad cop. I still believe that George Floyd died of a drug overdose. And if that cop or any cop around them would have recognized the signs of a drug overdose and given him Narcan, I believe George Floyd would have survived. But this case, because everyone involved was black, including the police chief and mayor, once we remove that element, which the left seems to like to apply to everything, because they really don't want any debate, they want to shut down the other side. And by calling them racist, they basically try to end the conversation there. But taking the racist element out of this event basically shines a light on what I believe the real problem is, and that is police brutality. Uh, the problem is personnel and training, not systemic racism. By the way, just imagine if the five cops were white and they beat Tyree Nichols to death. There would be burning cities right now. There would be crazy riots and vandalism and looting and everything that happened in the summer of love of 2020. And I just can't imagine the the country would be blowing up right now and it would be non-stop news coverage 24/7 just understand that there's a reason why mostly peaceful protests are happening now is because it wasn't white on black crime I think one of the reasons this is being brought on is because we've villainized the police nationwide and defunded departments to the point where they can't recruit. And the ones that are still working are stretched so thin and departments are not able to screen applicants as thoroughly as they should. I think that's part of the reason we're in the position we are. Also, in the last time I watched the video with the police officer narrating everything that was going on, he talked about the use of pepper spray in that closed situation. He says, you never, ever do that because cross-contamination. I'm sure every single person in that group had pepper spray in their eyes and had breathed it in by spraying it like that. So he says the only time you use pepper spray is to ward off vicious uh, charging dogs and to disperse large crowds because of the possibility of cross-contamination. So there is no excuse whatsoever for using that pepper spray. And also in that one part of the video, the cop said when one of the cops was holding the taser next to his leg, that would not have done anything because the taser has to go a certain distance before it can actually deploy correctly. So he said these cops did so many things wrong, he doesn't understand how they were trained this way. In the last video, you actually hear the cops talking about how Tyree was going the wrong way on oncoming traffic, and he tried to punch twice and actually reached for one of their guns. But funny thing, there's no video proof of this. Only word of mouth. So that I'm sure is going to come out during discovery in court. But until then, 
I don't believe him. <laughs> so I don't know why they would say things like that, but you know, they could have been covering from themselves, realizing what they had done uh, while Tyree was propped up against the car, beaten to within an inch of his life. I, I do know also that two, at least two, of the cops in this special unit had been reported to Internal Affairs twice before. My theory, and again, this is my opinion, I believe these were bad cops, probably on the take from some different uh, criminal aspect there in Memphis. And it just seems like there's a whole lot more going on because what happened makes no sense. I have a lot of policemen friends and have known a lot of policemen over my life, and none of them would have reacted this way. You're taught to be calm, cool, and collected because whatever you have going on emotionally will project to whomever you're trying to arrest or give a ticket to or apprehend. So you always want to remain calm and collected so things don't get out of hand like this. These cops started this whole incident, like I said, at an eight. When they pulled him over and yanked him out of the car, that should never, ever happen. Also, don't even get me started how badly they beat Tyree. The view from the street cam gives you the best overall picture of what happened. When you're watching the body cams, they're shaking around and you can't really understand what is going on. But when you watch the whole scene from the street cam, you can see how brutally these guys beat this kid, especially the one cop that wound up and kicked him right in the face twice. I mean, come on, guys. You never, ever do that. And you guys are five big police officers. You could have easily contained him. You could have easily held him down and put the handcuffs on him. Instead, you're spraying pepper spray and telling him, let me see your hands. Let me see your effing hands. That's all you heard. But none of them like grabbed his hands. All five of them could have easily contained him. I mean, Tyree Nichols was like 6'3" and 140 pounds. I mean, I'm like 5'11 and 170, and I'm considered thin. So he was going to be easy to handle with cops that were trained correctly. I don't think these cops were trained correctly. Either that or they left their training behind in the police cruiser when they jumped out and started this whole mess. And the, the punching, the, the nonstop for three minutes is just horrific. And then they tried to sit him up and he couldn't even sit up. He just writhed on the ground and fell over. Then they dragged him over to the cruiser and leaned him up against that. And even that he couldn't sit up. He fell over. And then when the ambulance pulled up like 20 minutes later, they didn't jump right away and start administering medical attention. They talked with the officers and BSed back and forth. I believe probably they've worked together many times on different cases, so that's why. But I know that they're also considering 
two of the EMTs uh, giving them some kind of charge because they didn't administer medical help right when they got there. And they absolutely should have. I mean, you look over and the guy's face is bloody and swollen. He can't even talk. Yes, you administer medical attention immediately when you arrive on the scene. You don't sit there and BS with the cops. I don't understand why so much time went by between the time that uh, Tyree was put up against that cruiser and they administered medical attention. And I just can't imagine the pain that he was in and the suffering that he and his family went through while he was in the hospital. He probably had many, many contusions, probably brain bleed, uh, cracked skull, broken nose, broken jaw. I just can't imagine how much pain he went through. And bless his family that they may be able to find peace and comfort in this time. And hopefully this nation will understand that this was not racism. This was police brutality. And we need to train our some police officers better. I don't say all. There's some great cops out there. There's some cops that always keep their cool, that always are professional, and they do their jobs fantastically. And I commend them. But I do not support cops that behave this way. Uh, I do commend uh, his mother for saying to all of the people in Memphis and around the country, they do not want violent protests. They do not want their cities burned down. They still have to live in them. Tyree wouldn't want that. They don't want an uprising of violence to be attached to his unfortunate death. So I think most people followed that. I know that there were protests happening all over the country and some breakouts, minor breakouts in L.A. and New York, of course. I know also that in Memphis, they stopped traffic. This doesn't make any sense to me. Why do protesters feel a need to stop traffic and block roads? I heard one person say that everything must stop so our voices can be heard. Well, guess what? The entire country is as shocked as you by this, by these videos. All you have to do is look over there and walk over to a media film crew and start talking. They will hand you that microphone. Everyone would have been listening. I don't see how blocking truckers from delivering their goods and people from getting home to their families will make people listen more. If anything, it tends to escalate the protests into a riot as we have seen many times before. Some of these people that block the traffic end up getting run over. And I, I think it's lucky that someone didn't do that in this circumstance. I did notice a major crowd gathered in Times Square and got pretty heated, especially when one guy jumped up on a cop car and started smashing the windshield by stomping on it. He, of course, was quick, quickly arrested, and the crowd closed in very tightly around those police officers while they were trying to arrest him. So my hat's off to the NYPD for having to deal with that and uh, still keeping their cool. And then in L.A., a small uprising was started by Antifa, and they attacked the police there. Isn't it funny that Antifa keeps showing up at these peaceful protests and 
ends up riling them up to riots. You know, I think I have an answer why, and I'm going to tell you more about that after this. Okay, my thoughts on Antifa. Who are they, and why are they doing what they are? And before I get to more detail about this, understand this is my opinion. All right, you can agree or disagree, and please don't hesitate to write Drew at the Watchdogs Bark. Com. All right, if you look at all of their mugshots, you'll notice a similarity. They are mostly white, but there's different races and different, uh, you know, different nationalities, definitely. But the one thing I noticed is they are all misfits. My guess is that most were bullied when they were younger and didn't have a way to fight back. And when they joined Antifa, they were given a sense of community, almost like a gang. It's actually anti-fascist gang. And it's ironic that they use fascist techniques to prove that they're anti-fascists. But we'll leave that for another day. If you look at their mugshot, you can definitely tell that they were probably teased and bullied when they were younger. And now that they are a member of this gang and are allowed to dress in all black and wear masks to hide their identity and then act out in ways that they've always wanted to, even act like they're taking it out on their bullies with violence and destruction and mayhem and chaos and anarchy. This is making them feel fulfilled. And of course, they are heavily financed by George Soros. He provides everything they need for these stupid outbreaks. They are probably having the time of their life being a part of these riots. I tell you this because, and I'm going to tell you something a little personal about myself right now, I was bullied horribly in high school. Actually, junior high and high school, but it really got bad in high school. I had two guys that followed me home and beat the crap out of me all the time. And I don't think people can understand the feeling of helplessness until you've actually been in that situation. I was small. I was five foot two and 98 pounds till I was a senior in high school. So I was an easy target and I did not know how to fight. So I got beat up all the time because I was an easy target. I later found out one of my bullies was abused by his father at home, not sexually, but physically. And he was taking it out on me to make himself feel better. And believe it or not, I have actually forgiven my bullies. Uh, I know that they were doing what they felt was necessary to make themselves feel good, and I was just an easy target. I did have a little bit of a smart mouth. I'm sure you could probably imagine that when I was in school, and sometimes I got myself in trouble that way, but for the most part, they just beat up on me and pushed me downstairs and shoved me into lockers because I was an easy target. Like I said, I have forgiven them completely. Uh, I have not met them and forgiven them in person, but I have in my heart forgiven them. And a great sense of 
weight was lifted off when I did that. And like I said in my last podcast, one of the most powerful things you can do is to forgive. As a matter of fact, I was raised in Colorado, and yes, I'm a huge Denver Bronco fan. We'll talk about that another time, and no, I'm not happy about this last season at all. But uh, anyway, I was in the same conference as Columbine, and I remember watching that school shooting unfold, and I, just in the back of my head, knew that these two boys were bullied. I knew it in the sinews of my heart. I just absolutely knew that they were bullied. And I also found out that their parents, uh, at least one of the set of parents, were both working full-time and were very interested in climbing the social ladder and all that. And they were not there when their kids came home. My mother, bless her, I cannot express the amount of love I have for my mother because of this. She was there every day when I came home from school, was there for me to vent, was there for me to, you know, tell her about my day and to talk me off that cliff every day when I came home, just frustrated and angry from having the crap beat out of me every day. Had my mother not been there, I don't know what I would have done. I don't know if I would have sought a way to get back, a way to act out, a way to take it out on society for not doing more to go against bullies. And as a matter of fact, I am actually writing a book and hopefully uh, going to make a movie out of it and about some of my experiences, but also surrounding what I believe could happen to someone that doesn't have that support system. I believe that those who do not have anybody to talk to and are alone are going to find a way to act out. Whether it's against their bullies or other people, I think that is um, something that really a lot of people that are bullied probably contemplate. So I imagine these members of Antifa are finding it very fulfilling to be in this group where they're allowed to act out in a way they've always wanted to. By the way, if you are being bullied, write me. I believe I have discovered some wonderful things to help, and I would be glad to share them with you. I would not do it on a public airway like this. I would do that privately. So if you have some concerns and are being bullied and need someone to talk to, write me. Drew at thewatchdogsbark.com. And a quick message to the bullies out there. You don't realize what you're doing. You have no idea what you may be creating. You, in fact, may be creating the next serial killer. You, in fact, may be forcing someone that can't understand and work through the emotions of the helplessness they feel when being bullied to commit suicide. Is it really worth it, honestly? Is your feeling better about yourself by belittling and beating up and humiliating people that are weaker than you really worth it? I ask you. And again, to those that are being bullied, if you do write me, I promise I will keep it private. Unless you absolutely want me 
to read it on the air. And again, I will never, ever read someone's name on my podcast unless you ask me to. I will always respect everyone's privacy. Okay, one current event I want to talk about really quickly is uh, the appointment of the new chief of staff at the White House. Do you remember how in one of my earlier broadcasts I talked about the World Economic Forum and played that audio of Klaus Schwab talking about how they've infiltrated governments all over the world? Well, this new White House chief of staff, his name is Jeff Zients, I think that's how you pronounce his name, is a member of the World Economic Forum. Now, up until this point, I don't think anybody really believes that Joe Biden is running things because he has a lot of mental problems and definitely not all himself. So a lot of people were speculating that Ron Klain was running things from the White House. But now I can pretty much assure you that when Jeff Zients takes over, he's going to be running things. If you remember, Jeff Zients was the former COVID czar who said, and I quote, the unvaccinated are going to have a winter of death. Oh, joy. One more current event I want to comment on is last month, we set an all-time record for the United States of America. Do you know what that is? 251,487 illegal immigrants were apprehended on the border. That is an all-time record. There is nothing even close to that. The highest before that was 233, and guess what? That was last month. So every month, we are growing almost exponentially at this point. When do you think the breaking point is? When do you, how many illegal immigrants can we really bring into our country? Do you think it could really be just non-ending and it's eventually not going to hurt the people here in this country? The amount of medical care that will be available, the amount of resources that will be available are going to diminish greatly if we, imag if we allow this amount of illegal immigration to come in. And also, 300 people a day are dying from fentanyl poisoning. That is one person every five minutes. Imagine that. Every five minutes, someone is overdosing and dying from fentanyl. And you know who's celebrating this? China. They're the ones that are making those chemicals. And then they send them to the Mexican cartels and they turn them into fentanyl. And actually, there are some locations inside our country that are making fentanyl. A friend of mine actually discovered that a major bust happened on his childhood street that he used to live on. So it's happening in this country. And drug cartels used to sell drugs to drug dealers in this country. But there are now drug cartels operating inside the U.S. This has got to stop. Okay, and one quick positive thing uh, I want to talk about is resolutions. Everybody makes New Year's resolutions, but did you know that you can make monthly resolutions? You can make 
weekly resolutions, you can make daily resolutions. So if you have already broken your New Year's resolution, uh, I have broken one of mine. So you can always start again. You can make new resolutions every single day. And remember, like I said in a previous podcast, don't just think about it. Don't just wish for it. Write it down. An unwritten goal is a wish. And wishes sometimes come true. But I promise you, the ones you write down and work towards and make step-by-step plans for are going to be much more likely to be accomplished. So if you need to start a new resolution tomorrow, do it. All right. Hey, thanks so much again for tuning in to this podcast. I hope you'll join me for my next one. And until then, create an amazing day.